Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guests, Jessica Rogers-Morton and Shauna Pennington-Baird, both Go Red for Women ambassadors, joining us to share their personal heart challenge and healing story as education, information, and encouragement to pay attention to what is going on in our body. Jessica Rogers-Morton and Shauna Pennington-Baird, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Good morning. Thank you. It is really awesome for me to be able to speak to you, two young women who've undergone heart surgeries, who are looking like these vibrant, wonderful women wearing red already. Do you actually, do you wear red a lot? I think knowing more about the program, I tend to gravitate toward it, especially now, because, you know, I already have the, the scar. People already bring it up. So, yeah, I think I have more red in my wardrobe than I did, say, maybe a year ago. Yeah. Ah, excellent. <laughs> I Je- definitely have more red um, in my wardrobe. Honestly, it's not my favorite color to wear. I love red. I love red cars and, you know, red hair and all that kind of stuff but it's not my my preferred color but I do feel really good in it when I do wear it because it has such a special meaning yes special meaning and that's what we want to encourage in our conversation this morning is for others to gravitate to wearing red especially when we talk about uh go red for women wear red day which is coming up soon in early February but the reason for this, and you are the ambassadors for Go Red for Women, I'd, I'd like to have you share your incredible, unbelievable stories, because I think it's a real wake-up call for us and how none of us are really immune from this. It just can really essentially strike out of the blue. Actually, for Shauna, yours was more like that, wasn't it? Kind of coming out of the, you had no idea you had any heart condition. Absolutely no idea. I hiked eight miles two days before and felt great on the hike. And it was a very, very active 45-year-old. Un- unbelievable. Uh, and, and, and here you were also doing that in Europe. Yes. <laughs> I was at Giant's Causeway <laughs> for that hike. And then I was alone. Uh, and, and what happened to me was extremely rare. And most people don't make it because it gets misdiagnosed, which is aortic dissection, which is where your aorta decides to open up um, and you essentially can bleed out very quickly. And I had very rapid symptoms and they didn't know what was wrong with me for a long time, for six, seven hours until they finally gave me a CAT scan. And then things started moving very, very fast because they realized what it was. But because most and, and 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 my actual rupture probably happened three weeks before a tiny little pop and a little tiny popping in my chest and then i felt very grumpy that night which is actually a symptom i am not a grumpy person so for me to suddenly be like this ice cream's terrible which is what i said to my husband i'm like this is the worst ice cream i've ever had and he was like that's uh it's really good ice cream i'm like no it's <laughs> it's awful and i had heartburn up into my jaw which now I would know that's actually a reason to to go into urgent care right away. And at the time, even my husband, we was like, you know, it's probably just heartburn. And sometimes I do get heartburn and it's just heartburn. And so I didn't get it checked then. And frankly, if I'd gone in that day on, on July 27th, they probably would have sent me home 
because they would have missed it. Mm -hmm. And when it finally really ruptured and everything went gray and there was enough sweat that I mean, literally I was, I was soaking wet. I called and they obviously knew something was very wrong. I was hypotensive. Then finally they gave me the scan. I went, she's a dissection. And I had a 14 hour heart surgery that I woke up from the next day and I had a brand new heart valve, an Irish souvenir. <laughs> um, I got a, I got the, 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 the um, St. Jude's mechanical heart valve. <laughs> And in Ireland, they're they're uh, they're really great about not telling you how bad it is. They kind of like, oh, you're grand. <laughs> what kind of tea would you like? And it wasn't, do you want tea? It was, do you want cream or sugar in your tea? And in the hospital there, they bring you tea four times a day, which was a really lovely way to, you know, I was stranded and I was in some pain, but I was okay. And it took them five days. My husband arrived for them to explain what had happened. And I still didn't really know how serious it was till I was back in the States. And they were like, 5% survival rate. Oh, and here you are. Just, it's, it's a miracle. Ireland miracles, you know, they kind of maybe go hand in hand. But, you know, the, the question that came to me was, oh, my gosh, she's in a foreign country. What about health insurance? But I think things are different there, right? They are. And I had travel insurance. Thank goodness. Which I purchased yesterday because I go to Mexico this weekend. So I don't go anywhere without travel insurance. And I, and I haven't for the last 10 years. I do a lot of solo travel and I still do. And so when I'm traveling alone or with others, I go ahead and pay that three or $400. And because of that, my $10,000 a hospital bill, which <laughs> would have been a million in the United States, but it was only $10,000 there, was covered in full by travel insurance. And the travel insurance company called me every day. Like I was, I had a dedicated friend <laughs> going, you okay? How are you? How are they treating you? And they were treating me incredibly well. But that was helpful too, that I had, I had thankfully had the, the foresight to have that travel insurance. So everything was just taken care of. Yes. Boy. And, and I also get emergency medvac now too. Again, yes, especially when you're in a foreign country. Going to Mexico, particularly, I would think. I'll be on a uh, cruise ship. Yeah, oh. that medvac's important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So lots of really important insights and helpful tips here for, for all of us. That I mean, Just amazing. And I, I'm so grateful that you have chosen, to, or you were chosen both, I guess, to be an ambassador to share this really important story. Then with Jessica... I'm I'm just amazed with your story. You know, you think you're you're already dealing with a cancer diagnosis and treatment, and then what happens? Yeah, just when I thought I should be better, I got worse. <laughs> yeah, my uh, story thankfully was more of like a slow moving accident than Shauna's. That was I thankfully never really had that level of of sudden trauma, but. Um, just kind of a slow moving roller coaster that um, kind of seems like a nightmare now that I think about it. But yeah, um, my cancer diagnosis uh, led to heart failure. Um, almost a whole year of chemo, my body was just done, ravaged, and it was too much for my heart. Um, so about a week after my, like I said, almost entire year of chemo treatments, um, when I should have started feeling better, I started to feel pretty bad. And I knew something was wrong. Um, but it wasn't like sudden, it was just kind of, I woke up and I couldn't breathe a little bit. And, and I was already in the hospital because I thought I was um, coming down with some sort of infection because my body was just 
so done being being sick. Um, but no, it wasn't an infection. My heart had started failing and um, it just kind of snowballed from there and got a little worse and a little worse. And eventually uh, my doctor tried a ton of different medicines to kind of boost me up to get me stable. And that helped for a little bit. Um, but then it just, it, I think it was, my heart was just declining rapidly. And because I was just freshly out of a cancer diagnosis, I could, I was not eligible for a heart transplant. Um, you had to be at least cancer-free for five years before they, you know, give you a new heart, <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, so I lived with a mechanical heart called an LVAD um, for almost six years. It's a pump that just they sew into the base of your heart and is operated externally. And I ran off of batteries and carried a little backpack around. And uh, my brothers like to tease me that I was always ready to go because I had my backpack on, but I couldn't take it off because it was keeping me alive. Um, so yeah, that thing saved my life and I'm so thankful for it. Um, it kept me alive until I was eligible for a transplant. And um, in 2017 or 2016, I got listed and uh, just before Valentine's Day in 2017, I got my new heart. So I've just kind of been going up from there. It definitely wasn't as smooth as that, but um, it um, had its ups and downs, but I'm very thankful to still be alive and thankful for my donor. And yeah. <laughs> and that, in your case, it feels miraculous too, because uh, one, it's I think we still are really working to boost up having organ donations available. The fact that you got a match, you know, perhaps as soon as you did, you you had to wait the five years, mm -hmm. but it's still with it, less than two years later, right? You got a new heart. Yeah, yeah. So I actually got listed and then my heart got worse. Um, and uh, they bumped, you, bump, bumped me up at the top of the list. They kind of have their whole uh, system and everything to make sure that you have the best chance of getting the, the best heart for you. Um, and yeah, I was so thankful that it really didn't take that long. Some people have to wait a lot longer, but because my heart had gotten worse, um, it was kind of an hour never situation because the uh, my heart failure was on the left side of my heart and my right side of my heart had started shutting down. So the LVAD only kind of takes over the left side of your heart and, and essentially fixes that side um, at that function. Um, but my right side was doing pretty good. But for some reason, it, in December of 2016, my heart was like, yeah, I think I'm done. <laughs> and it was, it, yeah, there was some very touchy moments in there. Um, but my body now doesn't even know that there's, uh, you know, a donated heart in there. And I feel most days I feel really, really good um, compared to what I used to. I feel excellent, but um, it's just, it, it really is a miracle. I should, the cancer I had, it really should not be here. The heart failure and how hard it hit, I really should not still be alive. Um, in 2013, they tried to take the LVAD out and because they thought my heart had healed. Um, I was in a coma for 20 days in the hospital for two and a half months. So I really, I, I really should not be here, but I am. And I'm so grateful and I'm so happy that I can continue to share my story and spread awareness to uh, women's heart health. And that feels like a big purpose. 
of your encountering all that you have, that you're still here. It's like there's a reason for this. And, and here you are sharing the story to encourage others and I think boost us into being motivated to do all we can do. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I could rub off the feeling that I have of how happy I am to be alive and how thankful to other people and they don't have to go through all that I have. Um, and, you know, if you could make if I could make one person make a healthy decision that could lead to a better life, then it kind of makes my, my situation worth it. <laughs> oh, that just amazing. Both of you, uh, these huge things, it's it, it, a heart attack is not a simple thing, but someone gets a heart attack, they go to the hospital. But in both of your stories and your lives, it's just been this huge, different kind of thing. And I think there's a lesson there as to how it, our body itself is such a miracle and the, the different things that can kind of go askew. Uh, so Shauna, with your experience having encountered that, now that was, how long has it been now? So four and a half years, it was August of 2019. So just before COVID. So yes, (laughs) (laughs) the world joined me in low level anxiety. I was already there. Um, But I also was, again, so grateful to be alive that COVID was sort of like, and and let's just keep going. Yeah. Yes. Having having encountered what you did, uh, it's, so I'm curious too. Did you need to stay longer for recovery in Ireland? Yes. So I was not allowed to fly for five weeks mm. after it happened, and my eight year old daughter had already flown home with my husband. She was not able to join me there, uh, but my husband took him four days to get back, and then he joined me for uh, two weeks. And then my mom, who was 75 and had never been to Europe. And I'd always wanted to take her, but not like this. Uh, and uh, she, so they swapped. So he flew home to be with my my eight year old. She came out to be with me, and and she said she said to me, she said, "Should we be having this much fun?" Uh, <laughs> because we 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 were enjoying. You know, I I had you know the scar. I had it was covered, and I did go out and I didn't go crazy, but we did go bar hopping to hear music. Um, <laughs> The the Irish, you know, in the States, they would tell me not to drink at all. In Ireland, they said, you'll have to keep it to two drinks per night. <laughs> I was like, but I don't drink that much now. And she's like, oh, well, you're on war friends. So you're going to have to keep it consistent. <laughs> like, so I have a drinking minimum. <laughs> and so I settled for, a, 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 I, you know, two two drinks a week, according to the Irish, it's okay. And my war friend is set with my, my war friend people and that seems to be doing okay. But yeah, my mom came because I couldn't leave. They kept me in the hospital for four days in the ICU. Then I was released to the wards where you're with three other people in a hotel. In a, I keep saying hotel. It did feel good. Uh, I did. I had a good time, which just sounds very strange. They released me in the hospital with three other people. And, and they were the most lovely individuals. One had a blood clot. One was going through all kinds of horrible, really hard surgeries. But the, we were all in this room together, which was so healing and so amazing to not be alone in a room, which I might have been in the States. Because um, I think being alone, I would have maybe not been quite so joyous. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I remember sitting crisscross applesauce on my friend's bed, and we were like reading together and singing songs. This was six <laughs> days after surgery. Um, and so I was there for, I think, eight days. And then they released me, and friends of friends needed a house sitter in the town of Cork. How amazing. And so we just moved into their house. And that first day that, that I came home, I was very cold. I did not get warm 
uh, after surgery. And, and Ireland's a cold country anyway, and it was, you know, September. I could not get warm. And uh, I remember he made bacon rashers, which is like the best food I've ever had in my life. Probably not what we want for heart health. But yeah, I was thinking a little yeah. bit here and there, a little bit here and there. <laughs> um, and and so we were I was in that house for that couple of weeks and then flew home uh, with my mom. And then I was home for less than 24 hours when I had a lot of pain in my uh, uh my scar. So I went back in and I had an infection and my, well, they had to take out two sternal wires. So I was then at a hospital for eight days by myself in a room. And that was not as much fun. And it wasn't in Ireland. And I could see my house from the window. And that was tough because I was supposed to be home and my daughter was supposed to be able to hang out with me. And now she was having to come to a, a hospital room. Mm. So that was probably rougher. And that's when they actually people would walk in and go, you shouldn't be here. And I'm like, I don't think you should say it that way. But I was, you know, I was OK. But working through what had happened and all of the myriad of tests and and things like that. Right. But the fact that I got the scan and that was sort of I had I mean, I had probably 20, 30 doctors came to visit with me at the hospital in Seattle going, we want to know more <laughs> oh, how, why you're still here. And it was because I got that CAT scan, that one moment. That's what, if they'd sent me back to my Airbnb, I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. If I had made the decision to keep sleeping, and I didn't really sleep, I called 999 right away. If I'd made the decision, oh, I'll just go take a nap, I wouldn't be here. So when I, as an ambassador, you know, for, for other women, if you have that moment where you're just not sure, every single medical professional I've met with says, go ahead and come in, get right. scanned and also advocate for yourself because it, especially in particular, if there's fluid around your heart, that's one of the ones where, or you're hypotensive, meaning your blood pressure's crazy low for no reason. And they just can't quite figure it out. Even here in the States, people get misdiagnosed. The John Ritter Foundation is another one that's always looking for ways to educate people. What do we look for when a dissection is happening, when something's rupturing somewhere along the aorta? CAT scan is conclusive. Those of us who get scanned, we're pretty much okay. And lots of things can happen. Every dissection is different. Mine, I'm very, very able-bodied. And I dissected 27, 26, 20, 29 days after probably the initial pop. Most people after a month, no way. So I was right on the edge of probably not being okay. And you, yes, you had mentioned pops uh, happening. And it was it really like you felt in your no. chest something? A little balloon. It was, yeah. it, 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 I can tell you right where it was. My scar is here, but it was over here on the side of my left, you know, left area, kind of to the left of the heart. And I was walking across the street. We'd just gotten ice cream after my daughter's performance. She was in a play and it was really good ice cream, right? And we're walking across the, cow, the, the, the walkway and I felt this little pop. And we sat down across the street to eat our ice cream and it was terrible. It was the worst ice cream I'd ever had. And that's, what an odd thing. I got home, again, I had that burning into my chin, and then it went away the next day. It was gone, and that's the warning for all women. You're like, oh, but it's gone now, so I'm fine. Yeah. Mm. That happened three more times before I left for Ireland. Tiny little, not popping, that had already happened. I think it probably, everyone thinks it clotted, closed itself. And then I had heartburn, unusual heartburn, three more times. I should have gone in, absolutely, because in Scotland I had a little bit too. 
And by the time they'd gone home, I went for an eight-mile hike. On that hike, I was 100% functional and felt great. Mm. And it was about 24 hours. I had a coughing attack in the car that dislodged whatever was holding everything in. And that is why when I pulled into my Airbnb, my first thought when I walked into it was, this place is really ugly, which again is not in my, I don't, I don't behave that way. So behavioral changes are very important. Mm. I walked in, this place is really ugly. And I thought that's a really weird thought. Well, this place was adorable online. This is my favorite Airbnb. It's my own little cottage in the wilds of Ireland. And that's when I was all the sweating. And I went, I'm going to get my phone from the car right now. And I went out and got my phone. And I look at that. I had, I had internet because I carry an internet puck with me. So I'm never having to figure out how to do the internet. And I typed in, how do you call 911 in Ireland? And it's 999. And I called them. And they answered. And he goes, oh, I think you should get in bed and just like stay talking to me. And he talked to me the whole time. It was 20 minutes for them to find me in the middle of nowhere near Dingle, Ireland, which is an amazing town. And I had to help them find it because it's really hard to find. I remember talking them through <laughs> the windy roads. And the guy who owned the Airbnb, he had heard there was an ambulance searching <laughs> for somebody in the neighborhood. He hadn't quite figured out it was us. They pulled in. The first guy said, I can't get a pulse. She has no pulse. And I said, and I said, well, I'm talking to you. I think we should assume I'm still alive. And then the other one goes, oh, you're going to be a right crack on the way to the hospital. And I did. I made jokes the whole time. That was my coping mechanism. Um, but and, and I met the Airbnb guy from the ambulance. I went, I think I'm going to need to leave my car. I'm very sorry. Uh, we will. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shauna. Uh, we'll figure it out later. Um, I got to go. Oh. And he was amazing. The Airbnb hosts, all of them, uh, were amazing. They brought me food. They brought me clothing. They took the rental car back. They brought my stuff. They showed up at the hospital every day while I was there. So I can't say enough about Irish hospitality. And I mean, I had silk gowns to wear when I was in the hospital. I had everything I could have humanly needed. It was, it was amazing. The help I had. It's it sounds like really a great healing atmosphere. Jessica, did you feel you were in a healing atmosphere going through the years uh, that you've gone through? Yeah, definitely. I can attest to. I don't like anybody in my hospital. I'm sure in Ireland it's way different because I've I've been there to that country and it's amazing. But um, being alone is definitely you know, not the best, but I have such a huge support system, um, mm-hmm. with my family and my church family and friends. Um, I was never really alone. Um, so that was definitely just, I heal better at home versus in the hospital. And my whole, my whole thing was, when can I get out of here? When can I get out of here? When I was in the hospital, um, when my, my cancer was in my right femur. And so I couldn't walk. I had had a big surgery the year I was diagnosed with the cancer and I couldn't walk on my right leg. So I couldn't put any weight. So after the heart failure had hit, I had a fresh backpack that I wore and I couldn't put any weight on my leg for the longest time after my very first open heart surgery. So I needed and required a lot of help to do many just common things. Um, and just being at home and having family come and bring food and help my parents. And I was still living at home when I was diagnosed with the cancer. And so I kind of just kept living at home when I was so sick, um, which definitely really helped. Um, We have a wonderful, wonderful support system. And I truly wouldn't be here without 
my mom helping me do basically everything and my dad um, just supporting both of us and whole church family. Um, you don't really heal, I don't think, unless you feel loved and taken care of. Mm. So that um, I wouldn't be here without all of them. And it's, yeah, they are so special to me. And that sounds wonderful, too, having the love, which Shauna expresses in her story, Jessica, you're sharing specifically here and thinking of how it's about the heart, which we think of as kind of being that love center. Thinking of February, which is heart month, but it's also perhaps then so ideal that we have Go Red for Women that just launches the month. And, you know, again, we're encouraging everyone, not just women, but everyone to really gravitate to that red and wear the red and uh, shout it from the rooftops. Yeah, I think wearing red, really, especially in February, shines a light on women's heart health and how it's so important to be aware of the like Shauna was saying, the signs and the symptoms of what different heart conditions can look like. And, you know, it can only help you and you could potentially help save someone else's life knowing that, you know, a friend comes to you saying, I have heartburn and it's in my jaw, you know, obviously, Shauna, you're going to know to go to the emergency room and things like that. Um, I just think it's a special way to help spread and shine light on so many issues that could happen, or it could be nothing. You could feel that and go in and be fine. But to know that you're okay is a huge, huge relief and and it's a big help. Yeah. And ironically, I met my husband when I had the uh, LVAD still, and he doesn't celebrate Valentine's Day. He says that he doesn't need a specific day to tell me that he loves me. So what did I go and do? I got my heart the day before Valentine's Day. So now we have to celebrate something in February. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> what kind of cupids yeah. were in motion constructing that? <laughs> oh, yeah, they were shooting their arrows. <laughs> that is so sweet. And as ambassadors, I am just, um, you know, each year as I have these opportunities to to meet women and to talk about heart health and go red for women, you know, the stories just really impact me. And I'm just, but each year something different and just really striking like the two of you come along. And it's just amazing what goes on in life that and that you're willing to share the stories because all of that is educational. Uh, you know, some piece of each of you may be something that saves someone else's life. Uh, it, 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 that's a big part of being ambassadors, right? I think it, if we can bring awareness, if, if wearing red on February 2nd, everybody wears red, we start thinking about what are ways that we can help because, you know, heart disease is the number one killer for women. And I don't think we know that. I think we assume it's something else and heart health, and it doesn't matter what age you are. Um, my fellow dissection survivors are everywhere from 20 to 80. It's not necessarily an age thing. It may be genetic and it may be you just don't like for me, it's probably genetic and I hadn't had the test, so I just didn't know. So knowing how to help somebody being trained in CPR in particular for women, uh, women are oftentimes they people have a reluctance to do CPR on women. Men are more often, are more apt to have CPR done. So if we can learn how to give CPR, that's an incredible step that we can take in addition to wearing red, in addition to getting checked, in addition to knowing the signs. Exactly. And with Go Red too, to bring more awareness, um, we're suggesting people use social media to connect, correct? 
Yeah. Take your selfies and post them on your social media um, with, with the hashtag wear red day and go red wa W A go red Washington. Um, yeah. I think it's a great way to obviously show that you're wearing red and support um, your fellow women and men too. And <laughs> uh, they're important too, but yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. And if you give to the American Heart Association, uh, they also have fundraising pages that you can set up yourself at wearredday.org. Exactly. We can't ignore how important that is because all the research and sharing the stories, but really the research to help the survival here, you know, to think of your two lives, how important they are uh, to all of us, certainly to your families. But, you know, sharing your stories, your experience, the fact that you survived attests to what the research has done and brought you to this place. So I am just really, again, so in awe of each of you that you have survived, that you look so wonderful. And, you know, young women showing that, as you were saying, Shauna, this is not something that uh, is age-related. It can strike anytime, any, anywhere, like in Europe. But just be conscious. And let's mention the website again, please. So the website uh, to, to set up your own is wearredday.org. And to find more information about heart health and what you can do to stay healthy, you can go to goredforwomen.org. Excellent. Well, I am so, so grateful to you both. You are beautiful women wearing your red. You are just so much even more vibrant, if that's possible. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you're willing to share your stories with us and being with us today. Thank you so greatly. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Shauna and Jessica and Sunday Morning Magazine with Laura Fromback. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the Listen tab, then the Podcast tab, and then look for either of the show names, and they're the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of growing awareness about our safety and our health. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.